Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is titled Strange Days. It is from the album Bellevue. It is by the Bobby Lees, and that is out now on Epicac Records. Please go to the show notes and buy it. And my guest today is the front person for that band, Sam Corton. And it's a really great episode. Um, I, I really love talking to her. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes when I'm in the conversation, I'm like so in my head and I'm trying to like, you know, pay attention and think of my notes and keep it fresh, blah, blah, blah. So sometimes I don't realize how great the conversation is until I sit down and edit it and relive it. And this is a goddamn good one. I really enjoyed it. And she's fucking awesome to talk to. And I get the feeling a great human being. Uh, just a little note about the conversation. We jump right into it. I edit myself out. And we she is what so when she's talking, she's talking about the film that she just shot that's coming out called Candyland that's directed by her partner. Uh and I just watched the trailer, so she talked about it. And she's talking when so we're talking about this film where she plays a sex worker that works uh parking lots of truck stops, which is something I've experience because I used to tour and I lived in a parking in a complex that had sex workers in the parking lot. <laughs> so it was a daily thing for my life, so I I had an understanding of it. The to be quite honest, the reason I cut my portion out of talking about the film is because I didn't like the way I sounded. I sound I I approached it like a jackass and I just wanted to I don't want to I just I don't want to it I in my opinion was a awkward way of starting off the conversation and I'd rather have her talk about it and you and I'm, then I don't look like an asshole though now I look like one regardless but I just wanted to be honest about that I don't want to bullshit it but anyway all things the Bobby Lees are in the show notes as well as the movie uh link to that I hope I got to find it but I think it will be something about the movie will be in the show notes that's all you need to know show notes are a great place for all my listeners to visit. And speaking of the show notes, in there is also a link to an album I produced and curated with Sub Pop Records and Adam McKay, filmmaker Adam McKay. And the album is called The 11th Hour, Songs for Climate Justice. It's 20 songs, 100%, all profits go to the Climate Emergency Fund who fund activists fighting climate change. It's very important. As you are probably aware, we're headed quite quickly towards a climate crisis. So please, by all means, buy this album and support it. It's got, it's great. Everybody on the album, with the exception of one, has been on the podcast. Mud Honey, Fake Fruit, Death Valley Girls, Sunny in the Sunsets, Mama Larky, White Denim, Shannon Lay, uh, Oceanator, Marinero. Did I mention Mud Honey? Probably did. It's a great album. Kevin Devine. 
The only one who hasn't been on my podcast is Moby. Maybe I'll fix that. And I'm working on getting Adam McKay to come on the on the show to talk about climate change and filmmaking and the album, quite frankly. Um, so that's great. Please do, please share that, buy it. It's very important. And I'm very proud. We put together a really great fucking album for a really great fucking cause. So please support that fucking thing, would you? Also in the show notes is a link to the Perpetual Doom Preservation Society. If you are an avid listener of my podcast, you know that uh, a lot of my artists are from the Perpetual Doom label run by my good friend Lou. Lou. Uh, I was saying that like uh, from Mary Tyler Moore. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, the, he's doing a subscription bundle starting in 2023, $200. You get all kinds of vinyl, merch, stickers. It's it's a pretty great bundle, and it's a pretty good deal. And the thing here that's crucial is Perpetual Doom is a very small label. It is truly an independent label. Lou and his partner run it together. They do it out, out of their apartment in Brooklyn. It's very bare-bones but it's truly independent, and he has some of the best fucking artists out there. Uh, Kyle Field of Little Wings, Lee Baggett, just to name a couple uh, that I really love. I've had a great number of his guests on the podcast. So please, if you can, that's 200 bucks. You're going to get fucking cassettes and records all year long from Lou. The details are in the show notes. Please check it out. Please support it if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Another thing I just... This isn't me plugging something. I just watched for a second time the documentary called Rumble. It's about Link Ray. But more importantly than about Link Ray, and it's also about the Native American influence on blues, rock, and jazz. And singing. And and it fucking blew my mind away. Like, if you think you know, like, the origins of American music, you probably don't because it goes into insane detail about the Native American influence on blues and the inter how the black and Native culture intermingled in the fucking horrible days of colonialism and slavery. And it's mind-blowing, but you will not listen to blues, jazz, or rock and roll the same way ever fucking again. <laughs> so it's on Netflix. Just check that out. I get no money for any of these plugs, by the way. This is all from the love of my goddamn heart. And speaking of love from my goddamn heart, go to themattdwyer.com, become a Patreon subscriber. That helps me in the show out a great deal. Usually my episodes have a part two. This unfortunate, this episode does not because uh, Sam had things to do. So we did, had to end it at an hour. But that's okay. There's tons of other part twos on there. Pretty much everybody I talk to. Like, say, next week's episode, which is Nick Goal of Deeper. We talked for two and a half hours. I'm only releasing an hour of that. The other hour and a half will be solely on Patreon. So there you go. That's it. I'm going to get to the uh, podcast with this great conversation with Sam Quarton. Strange days, strange
it, it was very fun to work on. I'm actually, I'm in um, Los Angeles right now because we're doing a, a premiere of it uh, tomorrow night um, for some people out here. And then it comes out January 6th um, in like wherever you rent movies online, like Amazon, iTunes, On Demand. And it's going to some theaters. But because it's so weird, like U.S. theaters are tough. It'll be in like New York, L.A., places, major cities. But um, but places like Australia have been really supportive. Like they're putting it on 100, in 100 theaters, so that's cool. And uh, But yeah, U.S. is tough with stuff that's that... Um, kind of kind of off <laughs> see that's yeah. more, that's more up my alley and i don't i'm not a not to sound like a pretentious dickhead but i don't really like a lot of american films <laughs> like i like you know films like what you what you do cool um i was because did you have to research that a lot because I, I don't know i used to live in an apartment in vegas and i had actual I, I guess it's probably not the like I had sex workers in my parking lot, and I was just like, it was very, it was like, just to like wake up in the morning and be like, oh, they're they're working my my parking lot. I, did you like go into their lives at all and see what that was like? That's interesting. I, I did, but um, what were you doing in Vegas, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I was doing a show. I used to work for the theater Second City, and they opened up a theater in Vegas briefly. So I went okay. there to do, I, I was just kind of, to be quite honest, I was lost in trying to figure something out and that the opportunity came and I was like, I was like, yeah, but living in Vegas was fucking a strange, strange thing. I would think that's kind of, I'm interested in that because yeah, like I know Elvis lived there for a while, but <laughs> that seems like I, a... I could tell you from living there... Pardon me? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, no. What were you saying? Oh, I just from living there, I could tell why Elvis took a lot of pills because it's a fucking, it's like a real mind fuck to live there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's and it's like I th like I want I was like okay I will find a subculture. There's got to be some sort of reaction to what goes on on the strip, and there's got to be like an art scene or like a cool music scene, and I couldn't find anything. So it was just, it, it's just, and it's just kind of, I don't know, it's so hot. So you just, you can only go out at night. Like I couldn't leave my apartment because it would be like 120 degrees. And so you have this weird fucked up lifestyle. <laughs> like it really like fucked with my head. How long did you do there? I was there for like uh, four months. I was supposed to be there longer, but actually, nine eleven happened, and so which was also weird because then it was just like this ghost town, and you were in like an empty Vegas. It was very surreal. Mm. Have you spent much time there? Mm. Um, we played a show there. Uh, we played one show there last year. We played a VFW hall. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> crowd but yeah yeah we had there were a few girls that were really really nice that uh now live in new york and come one particular that comes to all our shows and she's really great energy and super um positive all the time whenever i've met her um but uh it was it was pretty bleak though the show was the 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 but we were in like old uh we were in the old part not on the main strip but uh yeah anyway it's just yeah, 
just curious about I didn't I've just never known anyone that lived there so I was curious I thought yeah. I don't know I th- I thought there would be something that could be found there but it's yeah it was it was I don't know Reno seems kind of cool I don't know if you've been Reno seems like a small cool oh, city that also has casinos and weirdness and I don't mind some weird <laughs> I, I welcome the weirdness it's just Vegas was a different kind of weird but did you did you research that world at all of of the- I just I I um I have one friend who did that for a bit and we talked a lot um you know like I was just curious uh when they're working like when you're performing a sexual act and getting paid for it like is it strictly business? Is there ever like, do you ever enjoy it? Like, I was just really curious what kind of headspace you have to get into to do that. And uh, so that was really helpful hearing at least her, you know, everyone's different. So it's like, you know, I got her perspective and some other people I talked to, but uh, because I knew her, she was, you know, willing to tell me everything. (laughs) uh, Some people, you know, don't want to go into that stuff. Um, But uh, so that helped me, get into a headspace. I mean, it was just her perspective, but I took that on and was like, okay, so this is where her head's at when, you know, she's doing a job. But it was, it was, uh, the most fun I had actually was the opening shot because that guy was an actual guy at the truck stop. Um, and it was not an actor and it was very funny and, uh, it was very liberating. It was really fun to do and in those like old trucks they they look beautiful inside like i love the old the funny carpeting and the i love the color of the one that i was in and uh anyway it was uh it was a good time but there was a couple friends of mine were in the film so i got to hang out like eden is a friend of mine and she plays one of the girls in the movie uh this actor eden brolin and i had worked with owen campbell before and so it was just nice to you know, get to hang out in Montana for a month and with your friends and stuff. Wow, Montana. Were you like in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, it was it was beautiful. We were in we shot in Livingston, Montana, um, which is like forty five minutes from Bozeman about. Um, maybe a little less, depending we had some snowstorms. Uh and uh I was just factoring that into time because when it's storming it took longer to drive to places. Um but <laughs> Yeah, it, I, 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 we got to, we had one day off where we got to do a hike. Um, and that was really nice. And there was like a waterfall and I got to swim and it was really, it was definitely a, a gift of an experience for sure. Do you, cause I've read that like before you go on stage, I don't know if this is still the case, but before you go to play music, you said you want to run and go hide in your bed somewhere. Yeah. And I was curious if, there's a similar feeling before you go into a scene. Sometimes. Um, yeah, there's just the difference, I guess, like with before doing a scene or, or a film, I'm always like, fuck, do I suck? Like, is this, is this just like, why am I, who let me do this type of feeling? Because <laughs> I totally know. Yeah, no, it's a, I've been there. Yeah. But with music, I don't feel like who let me in the door. I feel like I'm supposed to be there. Um, but I still need that like courage that doesn't come naturally that I really have to summon uh, 
to, to get out there. Um, but yeah, there's always that feeling of, Oh God, why do I, but I, I guess it's common. Cause when I've talked to like other directors or, um, or two directors, I'm not a director, but when I talk to them and other actors, there's, there's usually a sense of like, you know, you, the lead up, you always want to do it. You prep, you memorize, you do whatever you do to get ready. And then a little bit of, yeah. Oh God. Now it's time. <laughs> I don't know if I like, I have a lot of friends who are actors and successful ones. And I, a friend of mine who's been in like hundreds of things and he's still just like uncomfortable with where he is and how he goes about it. And I'm like, it's sometimes seems like a torturous journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think it is. <laughs> I you, think it is. When you, but when you get into the scene, is it different or do you still have sort of those outside voices going on in your head? I feel same with music. Like when it's over, I feel really good. I think that's why maybe I do anything, uh, when it's over, it's kind of like you got to work through whatever you have to work through to get to that other place. Um, I just feel relief. Like my head turns off. Um, it's like a therapy type of thing. I don't know. And it feels also healthy to like, um, whether it works or not, but spend time trying to get into someone else's headspace and understanding someone else gives you a vacation from your own little universe. (laughs) You know, so that helps, I think. Yeah. It also, I don't know, to understand other, I think it helps understand other people, have more empathy in the world towards other people when you start getting out of your own head. Yep. I didn't know if that sounded corny. Did that sound corny? You could tell me. <laughs> no, no, it's true. I think I, I'm a little more selfish or something because I'm just like, ah, oh, break from myself. I get to think about somebody else. Um because I feel like we're just all trapped in our little, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, that was the last movie I did. I think I'm doing a, uh, something in the spring, I think, but I'm not sure. But um, I'm, I'm out of the like, I don't know what you call it. The, 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 the grind, the hustle, the constantly auditioning thing. I, I don't, I no longer have a agent or manager. I, I left that stuff to do the band full time, uh, a couple few years ago. And, uh, but I, I love to work. I just, I, it's, I'm really sensitive and I get really, uh, I hate being rejected constantly. <laughs> so that constant, uh, rejection sucks. Uh, so now I just kind of do, uh, friends projects or, you know, my partner's a writer director, he made Candyland. So I do his stuff and, uh, yeah, whatever comes, whatever comes down the way. Yeah. Do you, do you feel there's, cause with the rejection though, there's also that feeling of, Hey, I fucking belong here. Like, like why are you reject- uh, does that make sense I know I used to, yeah yeah I used to feel that way um and then I got to see behind the curtain a bit of like <laughs> how, how the industry really does work and this is just my perspective of course but um my partner makes a lot of films and works with like bigger actors and all the major agencies and um it's pretty plugged in you know it's uh if you're not like I got to you know, it's like, I'm willing to do the work 
always if I actually have a shot. But when you realize that unless it's coming through a certain avenue, you're actually not going to get seen or unless you're born into a certain name, which I have tons of friends that are like awesome actors and, and come from, you know, they're it's the family business, just like if they were go to work for their dad's mechanic shop because their dad runs the shop, it's the same kind of thing. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't have any lineage. I don't, I'm not like a legacy. It's kind of like college. Like if you're a legacy, you might get in. I also, you know, didn't do that, but, uh, yeah. So learning just the realities of it and, uh, where I stood, I was like, huh, I think I'm going to just play music because I <laughs> Because at least with that, I mean, it's still a bitch. It's still constantly hoping that someone's looking your way that could maybe, I mean, no, I don't think like that anymore. But in the beginning I did, uh, you know, thinking about things like trying to get a deal or trying to get whatever. And now it's just like, all right, let's put as much energy into this show as we can and, and hopefully be of service to someone and, and to myself and, that's it. I've, I've completely lost all, uh, whatever that thing is, that buzz, that zip, that kind of like, Ooh, maybe something's going to happen. <laughs> I don't have. I've, I've, yeah. Yeah. I've learned that there is no, cause I, I've had a, several things in my life where I'm like, all right, this is the one, this is where everything. Yep. And then you're like, Nope, <laughs> Nope. And it's, it's a series of small actions that lead to the bigger thing. There is no, that's a biopic yeah. where there's that one moment where everything. <laughs> where did we get, where did we start to believe that lie that there's this thing, this moment that I don't know. Did it come from a movie or I don't know. I think um, so. but Yeah. I mean, I think where we are, I, I was a TV baby. So I, that's what I was raised on. My parents were fucking out to lunch. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think those narratives stuck in my head and I somehow thought like, I'm going to meet a, my dream girl, etc., etc. And it all, you know, none of that shit happens. <laughs> I do think with like music, like the first couple of years, we had an idea that's, you know, it would look like a certain thing by a certain time, just because I've been told before, you know, like before the internet or, um, uh, before Spotify and, you know, streaming and all that stuff that it, there was kind of a formula or there was an infrastructure of how to build a band and how to break a band. There was some kind of form structure, whether you could get in that or not, I don't know, but now there isn't. And that seems to be a reality. Um, so, so yeah, maybe it's just right now there, it really is just like you said, those small actions at a time and, and really just the only rewarding thing is, is the work itself. And then, you know, making connections with, with like other people you want to work with, or it's nice to get validation. Like this year when our new record came out, it felt good to have like artists I like reach out and be into it that felt made me feel like all right i'm not completely wasting my time and then when um you know people at shows say something that's uh i know that what i'm making helped them that also gives me a sense of like okay it's okay because when i'm not doing the work like right now we haven't played in a month and 
after a few weeks, I'm, I really forget that I'm in a band. I forget that I have any ties to acting or anything. And I just am like, what am I doing with my life? That's the state. Do you go through that when you're not like actively working on what you do? I'm, I'm, I'm there right now. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sort of like, I finished a project and, uh, and I spent five months on it and, now I'm just, I don't, I'm just sort of like dicking around doing little things and like hoping something clicks and, uh, yeah. and it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it's like, you, I start searching, like I start picking up books and I'm like, okay, this will spark something. And I, nothing is clicking. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been doing that. I just started last night in bed reading, um, faith, hope and carnage, which is, I thought it was a book written by Nick Cave, but it's really just a, a recorded conversation between him and this other guy. And, um, but yeah, I'm, I am also in that place of searching for, uh, inspiration. And, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, it's weird because it always comes eventually. I don't know why I, uh, think I, it's feels so morbid, like it's never coming again, but then somehow something shifts. Usually when I stop thinking about it or do stuff for like, I get into community service work when I'm at home and we're not touring and that just helps so much. Like some of my songs have been written about just like people I've worked with that are, I don't know, just interesting, different people. Um, when I'm not thinking about the thing, you know, when you like avert focus or divert whatever the word is um it kind of i think that helps is that also i mean oh sorry no no i was just saying i'm saying that but i'm not doing that (laughs) but there's sort of like i don't know i read this book years ago sort of equating creativity with manic depression or just like the fact that you have these you have these moments where you just put shit out and like when i'm in those moments i'm like i'm never gonna stop this is forever and then you crash and burn (laughs) and then you're like where we are saying we are now and i'm just you feel kind of lost you don't feel like yourself and i feel like i have to remind myself like you're just sort of rebuilding and sort of taking in information so you could regurgitate it so to speak totally but isn't it also kind of how you approach songwriting that you just sort of you don't sit down and write a song it just one day pops to you um yeah ideas will pop in randomly but i but in order for that to happen unfortunately i do have to be putting the time in like um it's weird. I go through different, like right now I'm not, I haven't been writing. That's why I don't feel well. (laughs) And, um, and, but it's like this weird battle. Like, I don't know why I fight. I know what I need to do. I need to be sitting down every day and, and just, it's like, if I sit down and just write for an hour or two, I never try to write a song, but I, I have a notepad with like, I like to use a big, um, artist book where the pages are, pretty large. Um, and just, I'll, I'll say to myself, okay, you're going to write a song every day for a month or two. And I'll do that usually in the winter. Um, and most of it's junk, like not good because I humanly wrote it. Like I, but then when I have that practice going on, 
then when I meet up with Kendall or with the band or when I'm sitting by myself, like when I wasn't planning to sit down, right. Then a good song will just come out of nowhere. When I say good, something I'm like, okay, that I'm, I'm interested in pursuing this. Um, so it's, I, I have no idea is what I'm saying, where a thing comes from the stuff I like. I didn't sit down and work really hard on it. It just like, came in but could it have come in without that time sitting down and actually putting the work in i have no, i don't know i'm in a confused state if you can tell i don't know <laughs> i have somebody suggested to me <clears throat> a couple of months ago it was like just type words don't even fucking worry about them making sense which is which i kind of knew is like an old exercise but that sort of help oh helps get the mind working in sort of off ways so it's not so linear i guess is a way to put it i don't know do you do things like that at all yeah yeah i do i i got into that from the artist way julia cameron's book um and and part of its morning pages where every morning and if if i'm told to do something like if some if something says this will help you i'll do it i i will do it with a vengeance and i uh so I did whatever she told me to do. It was like a 12 step creative program. And that after I did that, that's when the band started. Um, so there's definitely, you know, reward from that. And then when I get like stuck, I'll go back to doing artist pages again, but it's a tricky, it's like this weird line I'm finding because I will do it. But sometimes it also is brings up stuff you don't want to think about if you're just free writing. And then after I've done my 20 to 30 minutes, I'm like, shit, now I'm thinking about all this stuff I just wrote down that I didn't. Anyway, it's a weird, sometimes it works for me and sometimes it just upsets me. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I'm actually going to, she does like these six week books, um, like different ways of talking to God or, you know, a higher power or whatever the air, whatever you call like anything bigger than yourself. And, um, so I I'll do those. I did one of those. I'm going to, I have another one. I'm going to try basically when we're not touring and I have time, I'm, I'm always trying to kind of chip away at like new ways to think about stuff or, um, but it's funny because I think I might have a mood disorder because if you and I talked like in a few hours, we'd have a completely different conversation about all this stuff. <laughs> it's just like right now I'm not in a good space. So this is where it's going. Um, this is searching it. That I, yeah. I looked at that book years ago, but you've mentioned the 12 steps. Is there a connection with how she approaches that to 12 step programs or is that totally just a fucking yeah. coincidence? Yeah. Yeah. She, she openly talks about being sober and, and I had gotten sober and done the 12 steps in that program. And so then I was like still kind of searching for stuff to, uh, yeah. Feeling like you have a purpose, but you don't know how to, you don't know what to do to make that thing happen. So her book was really, really helpful. I mean, it changed my, if I ever see her, I give her a hug and a kiss and just, I feel indebted to her. Cause I, if I wouldn't have done that, I, I, you know, I was really blocked and I felt very paralyzed, um, with like that wanting to do something, but not knowing how to do it or what to do. Cause I feel when I would hear a song, it sounds so complete like how does one make that they all the steps involved and then 
she kind of helps you just strip away um, that end result thinking and just focus on that, you know, right in front of you, whether it's like you're saying, just typing those words or um, uh, just picking, sitting down, pick a chord, pick two chords and just start playing and write something and, and don't allow, don't let yourself judge it is the key for her. That's what she talks about, which sometimes I apply and sometimes I don't. So that not judging is a real motherfucker. Like I can't yeah. <laughs> like, and there's days where I can like do something and the voice isn't there, but like it's, it's almost like a physical presence sometimes. Like I can feel it in my gut, that judgment. And it, I hate that motherfucker. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think it helps when I look at other people's, work or talk to other people that are trying to do creative stuff because I'm very gentle and kind to them. So I try to just like turn it around and treat myself like I treat them when I'm being really hard on myself. Um, because I mean now like, yeah, I can once in a while can get into a headspace. Not really anymore, actually like the judging of others work. Like I really, I know how hard it is to, take the time and really keep going till you have a physical thing in your hand that you made. And so to me, anyone that's out there doing that, I'm like, great, that's awesome. You know, do I maybe want to listen to it? Maybe not. If it's not, if it's not my thing, but I'm still just like psyched for anyone that's actually doing the work. Cause it's, it's easier to not do it, but then it's like painful. Then you like want to, you know, not be here at least for me. So <laughs> How how long have you been sober? I have eight years. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Congratulations. Thanks. This uh, this guy is two years. February first, just for. Oh wow! That's so cool. Congratulations to you. Yeah, I you know it was on my mind, and then my partner gave me the nudge, and I was like, yeah, I've done enough of this shit. It's <laughs> like, I was like, and but it's. It was for you, was it at all connected to your creativity where you thought maybe there was a, you needed one for the other? No, cause I was such a mess. I wasn't doing anything. Um, so I didn't get, um, I wasn't able, I just like when I drank, it was just the only thing that was interesting to me really. So I wasn't writing songs or doing stuff when I was, I mean, I think I, I was actually inexperienced, but, but, you know, I wasn't put, I wasn't able to like sit down and actually make anything real, uh, come to life. Um, so no, but I did have the, the first, yeah, I did it. Yeah. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I never like wrote while drinking or anything like that, but I, I felt like the hangovers were like crucial to me being creative. And I, that is, I don't know if that's fucked up or what, but that's how I felt. Like, I felt like it slowed my brain down enough to help me create. Is that ass backwards or no? It slowed your brain down, did you? Well, because my brain can move fast. So I feel like if I was hungover, okay. I was able to be a little slower and, and focus more. I think it was all garbage in my head that I. Uh -huh. Was acting or music first for you, like um, career-wise? Uh, I don't know. It, it, I, it really, once I got sober is when I started doing 
that stuff. Um, but yeah, cause I, I, I was always way too nervous to try, um, when I was like a teenager kid. Um, I just didn't think I had anything to offer. Um, my confidence was very low and, um, and it was only after I had from alcohol, like a, I still don't know what exactly it was, but some kind of mental, something was going on and I was not well. Um, it was pretty extreme and it lasted nine months. And I was like talking to myself, hearing things, seeing things. Um, and after that experience, um, I really had a really positive case of fuck it. I'm going to try anything because after what I just went through, who gives a shit about it? You know, who cares about what anyone thinks or, um, you know, so then I started, it was weird. As soon as I came out of it, I started auditioning and got some movies. And, um, the first thing I got was like, I was on backstage. I just made a backstage account and started submitting for jobs and got this movie with Crispin Glover, who I'd always liked and thought was a cool actor um uh and yeah and then I just got more jobs from there and then one of the jobs I got that first year was um was a film where I had to play guitar and I could kind of like barely play it so there was a I had to write some songs for the character and not had to they asked me and I said sure and so then that kind of got me playing guitar and then that's when um that's when the, like, I was, that's when I really wanted to start the band and stuff, but still was a little, uh, I don't know. I had to do the artist way. And then after that, that's when the band came together. You know, I used to have a teacher who would tell me just like, fuck it. Like he was like, that's the trick to all of it is just say, fuck it. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out what the fuck that meant for the longest time. But it's like, it's sort of like once you stop giving a shit about it it's kind of amazing how things just start opening up and happening. It sounds hokey, mm-hmm. but it's true. It's it's true. It's hard to do though. It's like when you care, you care. It's really hard to turn it off, you know. Um my partner does so well because he has that ability. He just just bulldozes through and doesn't give a shit. And I mean, he's kind of he's respectful to people, but um but yeah, that kind of just, I'm working on it, you know? There's also those people who have just, uh, I don't know, like the, like it, they're just steeped in confidence. And I'm like, are you bullshitting? Are you playing this? Or do you actually have them? Because <laughs> I, I don't know anybody with that much confidence. Do you know yeah. what I'm, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did you with the music but was it something that was deeply sort of gnawing at you to do was that like definitely yeah more so than with acting like acting i was like this is cool like wow you get paid to like hang out and and uh get to play different parts and you know it just seemed really fun um and then but the music felt like it was like this little gremlin inside, but not a little one, a very large, like dragon demon in my body that was like, I must come out and you have to let me out. Um, so. Do you remember that first, the first moment where it happened and you were like, Oh, I can do this. 
Hmm. I remember playing uh, this. There was a guy I wanted to work with, the guy that produced this record, Vance Powell, um, the newer one we put out called Bellevue. He, I, I was, I really was trying to get in touch with Jack White because I really like all his projects and I didn't know how. So I looked at the back of his records and I saw a couple names always coming up of people he worked with that helped with that sound. And um, so I reached out to one of them, Vance. And when he came and saw us play and said he wanted to work with me, that was when I, it was just one of the, it was a really magical show. And um, it was just a really good show. And I felt uh, like, okay, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, But the earlier moments I, yeah, I all, it felt good to uh, be nervous, get through it have it be over and like not because the old me, like when I drank, I just didn't go through with it. If anything made me scared or uncomfortable, I just didn't do it. Cause I would choose to like take a pill and not feel it or, or whatever. <laughs> so now it's kind of a radical way of life to not be able to ever turn it off and just, uh, but that's where like the good stuff comes like the growth from just continuing through, I think, um, so yeah, that kind of went around, around the bush there, but I think I answered your question. <laughs> I think you did. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting when you're on that, I don't know, when you're first figuring it out and it's like those nights where it doesn't work and it's just, I mean, the pain is devastating, Yeah, and, but those are the what like the great shows that you don't learn much <laughs> like, as much yeah. as you do from having your heart ripped out. Yeah. Um, yep. Also, the, when did the John Spencer, cause I read about the John Spencer story of him. Like, did you, was he another person you sought out or did he just come to you? Because no, he, he, he reached out to us. He emailed us um, to, what did you, what did you want to know about that? Oh, I just thought, I mean, because we were talking about Powell, you know, saying he wanted to work with you. And I was like, I forgot that, yeah, Spencer said he wanted you to open for him, which I, I mean, that must have been another moment of like, you know, because he's fucking John Spencer that you were no, on. Oh, I, I, I had no idea who John Spencer was. And, and Kendall had high school graduation that night. And I said, sorry, John, we're busy. And I, and I didn't know anything about him. And then I just said no pretty quickly. And then, uh, cause at the time I've been up until we just got an agent, but up until this year, I've been booking every show myself in the United States. And so we get a ton of emails cause I'm, I would always be submitting us for stuff. And, uh, so just to me, I thought it was just another email, another band or something. And, uh, and then I looked him up and I listened to the orange record and I was like, okay, we have to play this show. Kendall, can you like be a little late or early or whatever for your graduation? Cause we're, we got to do this. And so we, I wrote him back and said, we're in and, um, and it was our first guarantee. So that was exciting too. I was like, and they're paying us. It's guaranteed. It's not just like a, <laughs> door. um, that was in 2018. It was, so we, we started technically I started like, 2017's when that first album was getting written and Mackie and Kendall came in 
but we didn't really start playing shows and going at it until 2018 when Nick, the guitar player joined. Um, so this was our first year, 2018 of like really playing whenever we could. Um, so yeah, I met him and we were both selling merch next to each other, him and Christina and his wife, who they, it was a boss hog show that night. And, uh, and yeah, and I, he asked me for the copy of our first record and this is something I've improved on, but I used to be someone that when someone asked to see something or hear something, I'd go, Oh God, you don't want to hear it. You know, just self deprecate. <laughs> yes. And then I was still like that at the time. And I was like, well, I have a record, but I don't feel very good about it. And here it is. He was like, Oh, well, if not, you like, I could try, I could take, take a stab at it. I don't remember his exact words, but he said he'd be open to, to doing a record together. And I was like, okay. And then, and then, uh, a year later, I was like, all right, did you mean what you said? You want to make a record? And he said, yeah. And he was amazing. I mean, it was so quick and like, he didn't even want to hear the songs. He came into the studio. He was like, just run them, just play them through. So we played everything through and he was like, great. And then we just started recording. It was amazing. Did he have so, a lot of input or did he just sort of, was he more let you do your thing? He let us do our thing, but he was guiding. I mean, he, like I, in the studio at that point, especially had no idea what was going on. Um, I had tried when I first moved upstate before the first record, I tried to record an album by myself in my house and I got like what you need to do for basics. And it sounded so bad. It actually sounded bad. I'm not being self deprecating <laughs> It was not good. And so it, it always feels so good to have guidance and have someone that, that knows what they're doing in there. And, um, he was just really great. Uh, I'm, he did so much for us just by, you know, just from his name and what he's built that helped open a lot of doors for us, like with touring and especially in Europe that helped us get his old agent reached out to us and, and put us on our first European tour last year. And that was really great. So Yeah. He's been wonderful. That's great that, uh, you know, it, it seems like that sort of generation of musicians, at least from my experience, are, there seems to be no ego and it seems sort of mm. back to the punk rock ethic where they're just ha there to help. Like, I can't, totally. believe, even with my podcast, like I, Brendan Canty from Fugazi, no questions asked, was like, yes, I'll do it. Yes, here's my phone number. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Oh, like that's the, awesome but that's i and i so dig that that that's still that vibe and that is still happening there's no well i'm from fugazi fuck you yeah and that that to me is like if our band ever went anywhere i that would i would love to do that for someone else because that i mean every good thing that's happened to us actually has happened in that way of someone just being kind and <coughs> and helping us out like blondie recently helped us we sold out our new york show because she helped she posted about it and it just sold out the next day and it was like thank you i mean that is so kind you know it's just so nice that and and even our first label happened from this girl, um, this woman, Cynthia, who was in a group called the B girls. Um, and she was like, I don't want to be a manager, but this is a good label. I think you'd like them and just connected us. And, you know, so yeah, people, those acts of kindness, um, are, are really, they keep you going, you know, it also says that these people didn't forget where the fuck they came from and what the struggle was. Yeah. Does yeah. it, and Henry Rollins too. He's been amazing. I mean, he he got us our deal with Ipecac, and um, 
supported us, playing us on his show, and yeah. Was have is I'm guessing Blondie's come to shows and you've like hung out with Blondie. I haven't. Kendall and Mackie have because they played some shows with them, with her and they and Chris Stein. Um, so I haven't met them yet, but but they the other members have. She, uh, I saw them right before the pandemic, and you know she's seventy in her seventies. She, but she fucking destroyed. Like it was just unbelievable. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to be an old lady rolling around the room. <laughs> maybe you will. Who knows? Maybe I will. Hey, if I make it, you know, maybe we will. I think it, I mean, it says, you know, like you see that like Mel Brooks and all these, I think it says, speaks a lot to doing things you love and not, you know, staying curious. And that's why these people are, because yeah. it's like to be that I don't limber <laughs> and <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure you've talked about this a lot, but I was f- fascinated by the fact that, uh, little Richard was a, an idol of yours that, that you loved him as a kid and, and that you got to be, I, still love, I love him. I mean, anytime I'm in a bad mood, I just put on little Richard or James Brown and it's like, it's like a taking a pill. It's just quick. Just gets you up. It's great. Yeah, I'd love... I'm talking about Viagra, but... um, (laughs) um, But I recently just checked out that band. Have you heard them, Viagra Boys? I have. I don't think I've listened to... A lot of my friends love them. I just haven't gone down... Because I usually am preoccupied with whoever's on the podcast next. So if they do the podcast, I'll probably listen to a lot of them. Okay. Yeah, no, I... um, we got just a, a tour. They're going on tour and we just got submitted for it. And so I checked it out and, uh, and I was into it. It was pretty fun, but yeah. Uh, but yes, I do love little Richard. <laughs> yeah. and my dad, my dad, I mean, only maybe because my dad is obsessed with him too and took me to see him when I was a little kid. And, uh, and so that those records were just always playing when I was growing up. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's. I've, you've said that he was just like absolutely electric, and it's. I don't know when you see people like that. Like, I'm trying. Oh, I saw Mr. T once in the grocery store, and I know this sounds silly, but when you see Mr. T in person, you're like, of course this guy was fucking huge. <laughs> like, there's just something bizarrely different about them that you can't fucking put into words. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you still cold dipping? I am. It's weird. You know a lot about me. <laughs> how did you know, how did you know I like that? <laughs> uh, I try to do my research and then I try to forget about it and and, and yeah. keep it spontaneous. But I, I was fascinated by cold dipping. Yeah. Another thing that just kind of on the path of, you know, I don't know, trying to get <laughs> get through this thing um in a positive headspace as much as possible but i i got introduced to that by two friends of mine uh this woman sue jacobs and and uh caroline my dear friend and uh they took me by to the river behind their house and uh and and i was so nervous uh the first time 
and it was October, 2019. They kind of introed me before the real cold. And, um, I mean, it was, the first time was a little scary just cause it's freezing cold and you feel like you can't breathe, but they, we did breathing exercises before it. And then, um, and then I, once like when the pandemic happened, I went almost every day during the winter through the snow, through, uh, through ice. I mean, all, you know, all of it, um, it was, it, it just feels amazing, especially like in sobriety. Um, it just feels like, I don't know. It's like, I moved recently from upstate New York and I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I tried to go find something like that there. And I went to this lake and it was cold and I kept walking. I kept, I kept walking. I'm still up to my ankles. And I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do here? Um, but it's, I, I miss the river up there. Eventually I hope to go back to the river. Um, but I'm out in California right now. So I'm planning to go, I'm, my sister's out here and I haven't seen her in a really long time. We're going to go swim in the ocean because she's gotten into it. So we're gonna go <laughs> swimming. Did, did how, what's the coldest you've been in? And you don't I mean, go, I guess I was going to ask you if you also go alone. Cause that seems like it might be dangerous. You know, I, I do sometimes now that I've gotten comfortable with it, but I'll like let someone know that I'm going, um, sometimes it depends if it's like a place I'm familiar with. If it's a new place, like sometimes I'll find a lake or somewhere to just hop in. If it's, I've never been there before, I'll let someone know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it feels, it's kind of fun too. Now it's like an adventure if we're on tour. Like if there's, I'm always like looking for a cold body of water. Um, <laughs> and it's, it feels good. And, and our guitar player, Nick loves to fish. So he's also for other purposes, looking for bodies of water. So he'll he brings his fishing pole on tour and is always looking for that. Do you, yeah. does anybody else in the band jump in the water with you? No. Kendall watches sometimes. So she's like slightly curious, but she won't, uh, no, no one's interested at all. I did it in Lake Michigan. Like we would, late night probably stupid but usually after drinking we sometimes would jump in like a bunch of us naked which if we would have all died that would have been weird for somebody to stumble upon but like it is like but it's also it's like invigorating but it's also kind of terrifying because i'm like am i gonna cramp and sink does that or do you you're past that it's never happened it's never happened um yeah i don't know yeah i know there's those like and then no, it was just all those old movies where, you know, the kid falls, is ice skating and then he falls in the lake and then he has what diphtheria or whatever and then he dies. I don't know. I don't know who came up with that because I've never gotten sick. If anything, I felt there was like a year and a half I didn't even get a cold and I think it was from doing that. Um, but who knows? Is there any, I don't know if this is a goofball question, but like what thoughts go through your head do you or does it keep you void of thought when you jump into something that cold yeah it kind of helps like that the latter um i i kind of get like in the river it's more of a spiritual thing if it's like a cold shower it's not spiritual I'm, i mean sometimes but i do think there's like healing properties in water and cold water i mean it's available to us everywhere and it's a great natural resource so i I say I pray sometimes like for other people or if there's something I'm struggling with or not sure how to make a decision on, I kind of like will say a prayer and like give it to the river and then just 
it's like a ritual, like an act of just kind of, I don't know, you go in, you do it, time goes by, you get guidance or, you know, what was it the thing I said before I went to the river or was it just the three days have passed and now suddenly shit's figured itself out, you know, who knows, but it kind of, I, I like doing stuff like that. Yeah. I read recently, like spending 20, 30 minutes, like being able to see water daily is better. Like it's scientifically proven to be better for your state of mind, which makes sense. But we for- I believe that I think we forget. And I was wondering, cause it's like, is there a, a connection with maybe the way it affects you differently from gazing at it to being in it and to being in it and when it's freezing cold? Hmm. I'll let you know. Like, I'm looking at the ocean here, but I haven't gone in it yet. Tomorrow I'll be going in. So <laughs> I would imagine it's pretty fucking cold at this time of year, the Pacific. I would think so. I would think so. If I really have a fit later. I'll go in later also. I mean, I go, the, there's a pool here that's pretty cold. I, I have uh, been going in that, but um, I, it's more just about the same principle. I think of, Oh, I don't want to do this. All right, let's just do it. And then, <laughs> and then you feel good after, you know, I feel like there is power in that pushing through, you know, that layer of resistance or something. Do you do it sans bathing suit if there's no one around or do you always have some? Yeah. yeah. No, I always go naked. Um, unless like it's a public beach and I'm going to get in trouble. I mean, I, I just, since I was a kid, I've always just felt great just not wearing clothing, but I've, you know, I, nowadays you can get arrested. I didn't know that I could, if I have my clothes off, then on my record, it's like, um, what did someone tell me when I was naked and they were like, you know, you could get arrested for, um, it goes on your record now in the U S of a, uh, shit. I'm totally blanking. Well, right I know now. like if you in Chicago, if you urinate in public, you, you will be charged as a sex offender, which is like, come on, man. We're yes. all, everyone's an yes. alcoholic in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would always just piss wherever on tour. And then someone told me that. And I was like, fuck, imagine having sex offender on your, Records, so I curb it a little, just not super public. <laughs> Aren't we a repressed? I mean, what a repressed fucking bullshit yeah. nation we are. Because it's like, come on, really? <laughs> like, but I get, I get it. If there's urine everywhere, that's not great. Um, yeah, you're but, but like people s- yeah. swimming naked. It's like, who gives a f- like? Why are we still weird I about? Th- I, not just- I think I think it has to do with money because because. Uh, if a nude body, especially a woman, suddenly is like not taboo, it's worth less. It's that they can't charge more when the girl has her top off or, you know, I, I think, I mean, what do I know? But I think it probably has to do with money. I think that's an that's interesting, I mean, if you, that makes sense to me. I've never thought of it that way, but we're such a fucking gross country when it comes to both the body and money. It's like, I, of course I could see some guy going like, no, got to make those breasts illegal. That, that's my, that's my income. Yeah. If it's not like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Um, well, I want to thank you for your time. I, I just, so you know, <laughs> <On that> note, <laughs> 
I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if you like, I know you're in town doing stuff. So I didn't, I, when, you know, we're like hitting an hour. So I didn't want to be like, I, I feel like you probably have 8,000 things to do for this movie. I mean, if you want to still no, no, talk about naked actually, people. Yeah, no, I, um, I do. There's a meeting I wanted to hit in a, a 12 step meeting. I was going to go to, to get my mind right in a half hour that I have to walk over to. But, um, but yeah, thank you for, um, for talking and I, I wish you all the best heading into, you know, next year. I hope for your two years, February 1st, you said that's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's weird. Cause now I don't, it's like, I don't think about it. any like, I don't be like, I want to be buzzed. Like the last thing I want to be on earth is buzzed. Like it's very strange. I would never thought that would be me. I was listening to uh skin suit today and I fucking love that album. Oh, cool. But Thank I mean, I love all of them. And your bass player, I really dig their bass playing. For the record, uh, Kendall, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell Kendall you said that she's she's the real deal. That one, she's. You want to talk about putting the time in? I mean, she. There's two things in life she does. She plays the bass, and then she loves UFC. She never has missed a fight ever. Wow. Um, except except when we have a show. And she like she'll watch it up until the point she has to literally go on stage like we're about to play. But she sometimes will have it behind an amp, like not when we're playing the show, but a sound check thing. She uh, it's her like one her major passion that and uh, and the bass. And she just yeah yeah. I was impressed to find out how young they all were when they when you started. It was like yeah, the guys were fifteen and she was seventeen and. It, they were like in, I mean, it, she, she was in completely, but still she was at the Clive Davis music school when we were like two years in, she got into NYU for that. And, and then after a few months there, she was like, all right, let's do the band full time. And she dropped out and, um, she's, um, she's great. That's fun. The, the, all the bands, we've, we've really become like a, um, a proper family band as far as, um, just it's it's real we all i mean everyone is very it's it's a real thing now we've had we've had tears we've had almost breaking up we've had all the stuff and now we're like this very tight family thing did they come to tulsa with you um no they um they're i go back my dad's up there so i go back um uh, to write with everybody, but we, we take breaks. Like maybe that's why we still like each other because we take breaks. (laughs) And, uh, and then, you know, when we have a tour, like we have one practice and then we go on tour, we're kind of quick, um, in that regard. So we, yeah, but, but they've been down, like, since I've been in Tulsa, they've been down there with me like four times. They were just down here. Um, so yeah, we kind of figured out they drive down or whatever. Do you do you have a song you would prefer I use? I would, no. Okay. Whatever you want. Okay, because I really like Strange Days, but I I. I oh, cool! I feel like that kind of fits our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that but then it's decided. I the the okay, universe cool. has decided. Strange days, strange. Days.